Well, good morning. I am so glad that you're here. This morning we're in part number two of a four-part series called The Path. And just to give you some information about this, uh, th this topic is something that I have been teaching on for the past 27 years of ministry. And But as I began listening to this material from one of my mentors, it just re-challenged me in some amazing ways, some deep ways, some good ways that I wanted to share it with you as best I can as it was presented to me because this is something that can change your life if you will do something about this. And this morning we're back onto the principle of the path. And so let me kind of catch you up with what that means, what that phrase means. Last week we told you about this principle, probably something you have heard about, you knew about, and it says this, your path determines your place. Your path, not your intentions, not your hopes, your wishes, not what you want to happen, but your path determines the place that you're going to land. In other words, if I want to go to New Orleans, if I go north to Hazen and then get on I-40 and head west towards Oklahoma, I am not going to make it to New Orleans. No matter what my intentions are, no matter what my hopes are, my dreams are, I can even pray that I would end up in New Orleans, but I'm not. I'm headed west towards Oklahoma. I will not get there. So it is your path, not your intentions. And we say that makes perfect sense. We understand that about our driving. We know that about hunting and going into the woods. We know that about fishing on the lake. When you, when you have a specific point on your GPS where you want to go, that makes sense. Our path, that's what takes us to the place where we're going to land. But somehow, while that does make sense in driving, it does not, most of us, it does not make sense to us in our life. In other words, we say, I want to end up right here in life. But then we get on a path headed this way, and we end up way over there, nowhere near where we want to be. That's what happens. And then, then we get upset. But the people around you, the culture, your friends, sometimes even our family, they want to tell us sometimes this. The culture does for sure. It wants to tell you there are many, many paths that will take you to this place. What counts is your intention. That's what the culture says. What counts is that your heart says you want to be here. So follow your heart. You're, you're, that's what matters, what you intend. But the problem is, that's not the principle of the path. And the principle of the path wins every single time. Your path, not your wants, not your hopes, not your dreams, not even your prayer. It's your path that determines your place where you will end up. So that's what happens. That's where it is. And today we ask this question. Today's question is this, well, how do we know which path to choose? How do we know what path to get on? I mean, so let's say you're looking at getting married, and, and this is your first marriage, you've never been married before, and you say, well, how do I know what path is going to lead me to a happy, successful, satisfying marriage? Because I've never been there. I don't know what that would be. I'm not sure what path. We might say, how do we know that our current, the way we are currently using alcohol in our life, how do we know that's going to take us where we want to go with our family? How do we know that? 
If you've been misusing prescription drugs, how do you know that that path is going to take you into a successful marriage or to a successful relationship with your children? How do we know that about tobacco, the use of tobacco? Is that going to give you the long-lasting life that you want to enjoy into retirement with your family? What about your money path? The path you're on with your money, is that going to lead you to a place where you can generously support the things you want to support? Or is your path leading you to a prison of debt? For me, is this path, this Twinkie path, is it going to lead me to the health that I am hoping to achieve in my life that I have not achieved, but I know I need to? Is this going to get me there? We have to ask ourselves, here's the problem. This is what I've discovered for me. I've discovered this. I don't have time to waste on the wrong path. So how do I know that I'm on the path that's going to take me where I need to be, where I want to be? I'm going to guess that you probably don't have time to waste either. So how do you know the path that you're on is going to take you to the destination you want? You see, if we get lost while we're driving, we're going to lose a few minutes of our drive. And it might make us mad. We're going to lose a few minutes. But if we get on the wrong path in life, we waste years of our life. So, this morning we're going to talk about that path. How can you know? If it's your first marriage, how do you know what path to take? How do you know if this the path you're on is going to lead you to the right person? How do you know that? If it's your second marriage, how do you know that the path you're on in your second marriage is going to get you where you want to go? Because now in your second marriage, you've also included some baggage that you're carrying around of hurt, some baggage of pain. And how do you know that your baggage and your path is going to get you where you want to go? How can you know? So thankfully, God has given us some help about our path, and we're going to look at it in the Bible. Here's where we're going to start. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3. One single verse. Listen to what it says. It's on the screen for you. A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. I want you to say this with me, all right? Let's say this together. A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. Let's say this. We're going to say this a couple more times, but we're just going to do it one phrase at a time. Let's take the first phrase. Say this with me. A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge. Let's pause there. We're going to say that again. Let's, let's even try to memorize this verse today. One single verse. A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge. So what kind of man is he? Prudent. And what does he do? He sees. And what is it that he's seeing? Danger. Let's say that phrase together again. Two times. A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge. A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge. Now we have the contrast to that. But, they say, the simple 
keep going and they suffer for it. Say that phrase with me. But the simple keep going and they suffer for it. One more time and let it sink in. Who is this? The simple. And they're seeing the very same thing this other guy sees. But what do they do? They keep going. And what happens? They suffer for it. Let's say that together. But the simple keep going and suffer for it. You know, when somebody that you meet, someone new you meet, and they begin to tell you their story, and maybe there is some tragedy wrapped up in this story. As you listen to this story, there's a good chance that you begin to think this, man, they should have seen that coming. They, they should have seen that. They, and then maybe you ask them, Did, didn't you see that coming? And they're probably going to say, yeah, but, you know, I, I thought I had time. You know, or yeah, but they have some reason. And then maybe you ask them, but well, didn't anybody warn you? Didn't you know someone, a family member, a parent, a, a best friend? Didn't they warn you? And about half the time, they probably say, yeah, but, you know, a, a prudent man sees danger and they take refuge, but the simple keep going, and they suffer for it. We're going to be looking at these two people today, and they have two very different responses, and then that leads to two very different outcomes. Here's the two people that we see. We have the prudent man. Now, that prudent man just equals the wise man, all right? The prudent man, the wise man, and here's why he's wise. This is why he is prudent. Because the prudent man understands that there is a connection between what he did yesterday and what's happening today. He understands there's a connection between what he's going to do today and what's going to happen tomorrow. He sees that there's a connection between the past and what's happening today and then what's happening today and there's a connection between the future. And the prudent man asks this question. In light of my past experience and my current reality and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? And now Solomon, who wrote this verse, is now contrasting the prudent man with the second type of man. He calls him the simple man, which equals really just someone who is naive. And they're naive because they don't see a connection between what they did yesterday and now what's happening today. And they don't see a connection between right now, what's going on right now, and what's coming in the future based upon what they're doing right now. They don't see those connections. They think to themselves, well, I know, just because though that happened the last four times that I did that doesn't mean if I do it again that it will happen again. They don't connect the dots. They think this. They think, well, it's just going to work out. I can go ahead and do that. It's just going to work out. I mean, I, I want to end up right here in my life or in my relationship. I want to be right here. And even though I'm on a path that's headed that way, I know somehow it's going to work out. I just know it'll work out. They can have the intention of ending up in New Orleans, but they're on I-40 West headed to Oklahoma, and they think, well, it's just going to work out. Somehow I'll end up in New Orleans. It'll work out. So Solomon is saying there's the prudent person, the wise person, and then there's also the simple person. Two very 
different people. And these two very different people have two very different responses to the very same danger. Two responses. The same danger, but two very different responses. Solomon says the prudent guy, here's what he said. He sees that danger down the road, and he does something. He takes refuge. He says, ah, uh-oh, I see what's coming. And he takes action. He does something. He responds to the information that he gets. Even though it's further down the road, even though it's further down, he may not even see it, but he, he knows. He's been told it's down there. And so he does something. He takes action. He's the prudent man. That's what he does. What does the wise person do when they see something in their path, some problem down the road because of the path they're on? The wise person, he's, well, they do something about it. But then Solomon says there's the second guy, the simple guy, and he has a different response. The simple guy, the naive guy, Solomon says, he just keeps going. He knows, he sees. He's been told that it's down there, but he just keeps going. He says, I, I, I know I should, but, uh, you know, I, I probably need to do that, but uh, I don't know. I know I should, but, uh, but they keep going. That's what they do. You know, if I drive 55 miles an hour towards the wall, when I get to the wall, do you know what the naive person says? When I get to the wall, maybe I won't hit it. When I get there, it's going to work out. They're living their life kind of like those test crash dummies in the car, driving towards the wall with all the targets on them, and they say, maybe when I get there this time, maybe this time it'll work out. Maybe this time we'll stop. Someone even warns them, don't you think you should? Don't you think you should not do that? Don't you think you should change direction there? Don't you think you should do something differently? And they respond, yeah, I probably should, but... I know I should, but I, uh, you're probably right, but you know what happens to the naive person? Their butt always gets in the way every single time. And this verse reminds us that the naive person always has a big butt that gets in the way every single time. Someone warns them, wouldn't it be better to get off this path before you run into the wall? Yeah, it would, but, I, but I'll do it later. They warn them, isn't that the same person you messed around with earlier? Yeah, but we're just texting. Don't you think maybe that eating at El Canaveral and putting that bill on your credit card, the one you're carrying a balance on, don't you think that maybe it's not the wise thing to do? Yeah, but I, I, I'm just tired. I've been working a lot. I deserve it. Don't you think you should maybe not put Christmas on a credit card that you carry a balance on and pay interest on all year long? Don't you think maybe, maybe, you know, and they get the presents and three months later, they're not going to remember that they have them or not going to care that they have them. Maybe, maybe this year you should focus on what you're doing with your kids and family Maybe you should create some family experiences instead of paying for Christmas for two or three years on a credit card. I probably should, but you know we've always done it that way. Here's one. You might need to pull your feet back under your chair for this one. <laughs> Get some toes on this one. But maybe, just maybe, you should put back some of that cigarette money to pay your water bill. 
maybe, maybe to pay some on your electric bill. I know I should. I mean, but it, it usually works out. Maybe you have had a friend that says, maybe, don't you think possibly you're drinking too much? You say, well, maybe I can manage it. I, you know, I still get to work on time and I get my things done. Yes, I know I drink till I pass out, but, I, but I'm still functioning. My job's doing okay. Everything's okay at work. Maybe someone says, perhaps you shouldn't talk to your wife like that. You say, I, I know, but I, I've tried. She just keeps nagging me. Someone says, are, are you really going to let your kids treat you like that? No, I know I shouldn't, but man, you just don't know how badly their dad hurt them by not being there. And you know what happened? The, the, the buts just keep adding up. It's, this verse says, the simple see that danger, and they just keep going. Why? Because they have a reason. They have an excuse. They have a but. Now last week, if you weren't here, you need to listen to it online. We, we talked about the honky-tonk badonkadonk. And this week, I'm just saying, if you're simple, if you're naive, your butt's getting in the way. And so we have this this week. <laughs> If you're naive, if you're naive, and you say to me, Harley, because you might even be a little offended at this point, you say, I'm not naive, I am 30 years old. Okay, well, I'm not calling you naive, the Bible is. <laughs> it's not me. The Bible says, if you are on a path and you see something is coming down the road, or you know something is down there, you've been told, and you keep going, the Bible says you are naive, you are being simple. And it doesn't matter what words you use to excuse it away or to explain it away, the Bible says you are naive or you are simple. If you're on a path and you know something's down the road or you've been told something's down there and you just keep going because you're naive because for some reason you think you can stay on that path but avoid the place that it is heading and we have to be so careful even at church even participating in church we have to be careful because we go to church and we feel god speak to our hearts about maybe some decisions we're making or a path that we're on and we feel that conviction and we hear, we read the scripture and we hear the music and participate with the music. And maybe there's a video we use and maybe all of that God uses it to speak to a specific path you're on. And God is saying, warning, be careful, be careful, be careful. And we're saying, I know I really should. I really should be careful. And we feel convicted and we feel like God is speaking directly to us. And we have this religious experience, this feeling that feels good because we know God spoke directly to us about something specific. And wow, we say, wow, that was a good one today. Man, Harley must have been reading my private text messages. I don't know who's forwarding them to him, but he was right on. He knew. 
He's saying, boy, that one really stepped on my toes today. I needed to hear that. I needed that one. And you know what this verse means to us at church? Here's kind of what that means. The simple, the naive went to church and felt close to God. Felt close to God because he convicted them and he spoke to them. And they left and did nothing. You know what that is? That, it's just a waste of time. It's a waste of your time. It's not Christianity. Now, it is very religious, but it's not Christianity. For us to feel something, to feel God speak to us, and to keep going, Solomon says that's simple, that's naive. We have this feeling that if God speaks to us, we feel closer to God. And that's a good feeling. And we leave here feeling closer to God. But I want to tell you, if you don't do anything about it, then it is just a religion that will do you no good. Because you walk out of here and back into that same life you just walked out of just to come in here for a few moments. That feeling of being close to God because He convicts you is just a feeling if you don't do anything about it. And here Solomon is saying the naive, they feel convicted, but they just walk right back out unchanged. And they don't do anything. They stay on the same path. But the prudent, they see danger. And they take refuge. They change paths. They get out of the way. Two people. Two very different reactions. And they have two very different results. Two very different results. You know, they, we're not told a lot about the result of the prudent. But from what I can understand, most times the prudent, if they do take action, the result is, here's the result, they look foolish to the people around them. Because the people around them on the path headed that way with them, they're still headed that way. And if you get off that path, they don't understand why you got off the path. Because, hey, the wall's not here yet. But the prudent man takes action. And to the people around him, he may look foolish. But he knows one day it's going to pay off if he gets on the new, the better path. See, the prudent pretend that what is in the future might be here right now. So I'm just going to go ahead and get off because I'm not going to get down there to it. I'm going to get off now. I'm going to change paths now while I can. But the simple, they see it too. They've been told about it too. They understand it's down there too. But they say, well, I'll get off later. I'll get off this path and get on a new path later. And they keep going. And the Bible says the result is they suffer every time. Then they say, well, God, how could you let that happen to me? Well, the reason is because God works through principles. He does it all the time. All the principles that God has set into place, he allows those to function and work. If you go jump off of the roof of this building today, don't complain when you hit the ground because gravity is going to work every single time. And in fact, God has let you know about it in advance to help you out. 
God wrote this principle that we're reading about today. He wrote it down 3,000 years ago. And we should take notes because it's going to function every single time. It's going to happen every single time in every area of your life. In every single area. And here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. There is a point on every single path. You can call it the point of no return. Right now, you may have good options. But if you wait too long, the point of no return that in your marriage, in your money, uh, any area of life, the point of no return means at that point, there's no good options. You still have to choose an option, but none of them are good. They all hurt. And we say to ourselves, if I could just back up five years, ten years, and make that decision all over again, I would choose differently. But you can't because you went all the way to the point of no return. You would say, I I would change paths. And when you were convicted, you would say, oh, I was convicted. God told me about that, but I didn't do anything. If I could go back, I would do that differently. For an example, if you're 60 years old today, today is not the time to start planning for your retirement. If you're 60 years old today, the Bible would say that's naive to stay on the path and then you see it coming and to not do anything about it. You say, that's naive. When you're pregnant, that's not the time to evaluate, do I love this person or not? The Bible says that's naive. That is simple. And many times with relationships, we say, oh, I wish I could go back. I would make different decisions if I could go back. But we didn't. And as the Bible says, we just kept going. And now there's something in our life that is causing us to suffer. And even though, don't miss this, even though that is our fault... When we see the warnings and we just keep going, even though that's our fault, I do want you to know this because I have experienced this in my life too. Even when I missed and overlooked and excused away the warnings and I kept going and I suffered harm, I want you to know this along with me, God does not love you less. And in fact, the reality is, even now, he could not love you more because he loves you perfectly right now, even if you stayed on the wrong path. He loves you perfectly. But if we stayed on the wrong path long enough, we find ourselves breaking this principle and staying on the path. You know what Andy reminds us of? <laughs> he says, you know what, we, we don't break God's principles We break ourselves against his principles. We are in life exactly where our path that we chose led us. That's where we are. And I know it may not have been your intention. There are things in my life that that's not what I intended, but I was on a different path. That's not maybe what you intended. That's not what you were hoping for. That's not what you were dreaming about. And maybe you even prayed for something different, but you were on a path that determined your place where you landed. And the path determines your place every single time. It does for me too. You see, once you're addicted to alcohol... That's not the time to say, well, maybe I need more discipline in my drinking. 
Maybe I can, may I need to drink in moderation now. No, no, it's, it's too late. You lost the privilege to drink in moderation. There may be no good options at this point. If you're already addicted, there may be no good options that you say, well, that's a really good one, I'll do that. Because now if you go to rehab, you know what happens now? Now you have to admit to everybody that you have a problem. And you have to admit to your boss and you have to admit to your family and you say, that's horrible, I don't want to do that. No good options. Well, the other option is to do nothing about it and completely see your life dissolve away. You would say, if I could only go back five, ten years, I would change, I would do something different. When I was warned, when I saw the warning, I would have changed paths quicker, immediately, instantly. Because you had people in your life, didn't you, that were warning you, saying, listen, aren't you drinking too much? I mean, you should, really shouldn't be drinking at night when you get home until you pass out. Maybe you're drinking too much. I, I know, but maybe it's something different in your life. Maybe there are people warning you right now saying, listen, maybe you're, you're on the internet way too much. Maybe you have people in your life saying, listen, you're, those video games, you're, that's all you're doing all day. You, you're on those video games too much. But yet we always find a way, if we're simple and naive, to excuse it away and just to keep going. And now, now, we find ourselves suffering. Because of the truth of this passage, a prudent man sees danger and they take refuge. But the simple keep going and they suffer for it. If you're like me, maybe there's two most important areas where you could apply this principle, the principle of the path today. And maybe those two most important areas for you could possibly be in your relationships and with your money. You see, as guys, we often have the tendency to evaluate our marriage based upon what's happening right now. We say, listen, it's going okay. Look, I mean, I know it's not perfect, but it's going, it's going okay. But we can't evaluate our marriage based upon what's happening right now because here's the deal. Your relationship, your marriage is either getting be better or it's getting worse. It's always in motion, and so is every other relationship in your life, and so is every other path in your life. You never stop on the path. It's either getting better or it's getting worse. And that's why if one spouse in the relationship is saying this, listen, don't you think, why don't we go see a counselor? Don't you think we need to see a counselor? That is them saying, I see something down the road. I see danger coming down the road for our relationship. It's getting worse. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. And we need to do something about it. That's your spouse saying, we need to take refuge. We need to do something. Let's be prudent. Let's be wise. But the naive spouse, they just blow it off. They ignore it. Now, I don't want to do counsel. I don't want people to know my business. And if they ignore it long enough, then they get to the point where all they have is bad options, no good options. Students, teenagers, same thing with your friendships, with the people you're hanging around. You, you're, you have a parent or a grandparent who's warning you perhaps of some of your friendships and they're saying, listen, 
I, I'm not sure that that's a good friend for you. I, I'm not sure you need to be hanging out with that person. I'm not sure that's good. And they are trying to warn you about a path that you are on. And you're looking at right now, but they're looking at tomorrow and the future. And they see what's coming. And the wise student, the prudent student, will listen to that parent or that grandparent. They will listen and they will take refuge. But the naive student, the simple student, will just make an excuse. They'll just say, oh, you don't know anything. Or they'll think it. They'll think, oh, you don't know anything. You're crazy. You have no idea what I deal with or what I struggle with. You're just trying to control me, whatever. I mean, they will excuse it and they will keep going down that path. But the prudent student, that rhymes. <laughs> the prudent student, they'll take refuge. Maybe you're single right now or single again. It applies to you as well with your dating relationships. Maybe there have been people who have warning you. Maybe you're wanting this certain type of person to have a long relationship with, a long life with. But the decisions you're making right now about your dating are going to determine what kind of person you marry. This is true right now with your finances and your money. I mean, right now you might have good options. You could change paths right now, but if you wait too long, you're going to get to the point where there are no good options. No good options. The prudent, he sees danger and he takes refuge, but the simple keep going and they suffer for it. Andy shared with us four words I want to pass on to you. As we close this morning, will you apply these four words to your life? Here they are. The first word is action. You have to do something. If you're going to be prudent, if you're going to be wise, you have to do something. Some of us, there, there may be a dating relationship you have to end. Or there could be a flirting relationship at work that you have to just stop completely. There may be some kind of relationship outside of your marriage that you are thinking about, and it has to end. You have to do something. For some of you, with other situations and other paths, you may have to get rid of the internet. Some of us may have to decide to move down to a smaller home. Some of us may have to decide to get rid of a car, a car that you can't afford to pay for. So that you can buy a car you can afford with cash. And yes, it's going to be a lot less of a car. But you might have to take action. There may be some things you've gotten yourself into. You just have to start selling some things. Get rid of some stuff. There may be an action you have to take to have a difficult, a hard conversation that you've been putting off and you don't want to have. But the prudent see danger. They see danger. They don't even, listen to this. He didn't say the prudent stop and they start praying about it. No, he says they see danger and they take action right then. They see danger. They don't stop and think about it more. They don't stop and talk about it for years and weeks. They see danger and they take refuge. 
They do something. The first word is action. Here's the second word. is sacrifice. You take action. It's going to require you giving something up. I'm quite sure. And we hate this. We're horrible at this. That's why we do have so much debt. Because we don't like that. We hate that. Sacrifice. I don't know if you can switch my mind to this. There we go. I don't know if you can get this into the recording, but if you could try. The second word is sacrifice. We are horrible at sacrifice because we do not like giving things up. We don't like it. That's why we have so much consumer debt. We're not good at this. And this one word is also the reason why we don't and won't and maybe will not take action because we don't want to sacrifice. Here's the third word. Embarrassment. Because if you do take action, if you do something about the path you're on and you change paths, change directions, you it could be embarrassing. Why? Because the people who are not changing their path are going to look at you and they're going to judge you. They're not going to understand why you don't stay on the path because they'll say, you have plenty of time, you can change later, you can do that later. They're not going to understand. They're going to think, well, ever since you started going to that church, you've just gotten all hoity-toity, all, all goody-goody. They're not going to understand. But let me give you the last word. The last word is relief. Relief. Because the day is coming when you will have relief in your life because of your new path. And you will say, I am so glad I made that decision back there because now today I am right here and there's no way I would be here if I had not done that back there. So this morning, here's what we're going to ask you to do. This is, all of this is leading up to this one prayer that we're going to ask you to pray. And here it is. Will you join us in this prayer that says this, Heavenly Father, and will you pray this every day? Heavenly Father, help me see trouble long before it ever gets here. Give me the wisdom to know what to do and the courage to do it. Will you say this with me right now just as practice? Because I'm hoping you will be so convinced that this prayer can change your life if you'll do what the prayer says. Will you say it with me? Heavenly Father, help me to see trouble coming long before it gets here and give me the wisdom to know what to do and the courage to do it. That's what I hope. I, in my life, I don't want to live any more of my life in regret. Now, maybe while I've been talking this morning, the band's making their way up to the front. We're getting ready to close. But maybe while I've been talking, just perhaps, maybe for you, during this teaching, there has been some path that you've been on that God has kind of said, listen, you need to be careful. Warning. There's something at the end of this path. There's something down that road. You don't need to go there. Don't even get close. You need to do something now. And your tendency is going to see, yes, yes, God, I know, but... And if you put it off like the simple or the naive, God is saying harm will come.
overcome. And one day you will wish that you had acted, that you had done something differently. And my hope is that you will not waste another minute on the wrong path. So here's some questions for us as we end. Have you been on the wrong path in your marriage? Is your path leading the two of you further apart? Have you been on the wrong path with your money? Is it leading you deeper and deeper and deeper into debt? Have you been on the wrong path with your children? Have you been on the wrong path with your dating? Simply going out with whoever's available, whoever's next. Settling for someone who is not in love with Jesus. Have you been on the wrong path with your friends? Doing the very same thing that thousands and thousands and thousands of people have done that have walked them right into addiction. And now possibly you may even be thinking, no, that won't happen to me. That won't happen to me. Have you been on the wrong path? And my, my, my hope, my, I'm begging you to don't waste another minute on the wrong path. Your heavenly Father has warned you. Take refuge. Don't keep going. Let's pray. God, you've told us in your word. You've said a prudent man sees danger. They know that it's ahead and they take refuge now. But the simple, they just keep going and they suffer for it. Heavenly Father, help me to see trouble coming long before it gets here. Give me the wisdom to know what to do and God give me the courage to do it. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.